Okay, Father, we lift up this time to you. Lord, you are a great, great God. Just love hearing the prayers going out throughout the room. Um, Lord, we just center ourselves in. I pray that we would, that we would just release ourselves and, and open our hearts and our eyes and our ears, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see uh, how incredibly big you are. And it's in Christ's name we lift this up. Amen. Hey, do you mind just turning that light on just for a second and then we'll flick it back off? I gotta be able to see your little peepers. I gotta see peepers, man. There you are. I feel like the room's over here. Here's where there's a lot of the room is. What's up, gang? Come on. Where'd you step up? Boom, 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 boom. Yes, all right. Good, good, good. Hey, I want to tell you first and foremost, I want to I thank you for how you live life. Here's what I mean. There's not too many people that would be as mobile as what you are. And we've been doing this for se almost seven years. That we've not allowed ourselves, Deb said it beautifully, and I hope she writes on it, and I'm going to steal just a little bit of her thunder. We've been talking about this over the past forever, and that, you know, there's times when we'll say, why do more people not come? Why, why do more people not come to refuge? And we'll ask ourselves that question a lot, quite honestly. And, uh, and she had this beautiful illustration on it. She said, it's like Thanksgiving. She said, for, she, goes, it, she goes, when you go to Thanksgiving, what's the main deal? What's the turkey? Right? If there ain't no turkey, there's no Thanksgiving. And she said, and, and, and so, but everybody gets caught up in the fixings. And for seven years, all we've ever said is, we're going to give you Jesus. We've got no fixings. We're just going to give you Jesus. We're going to give you Jesus and Jesus alone. And we don't have any programs. We don't have any of the fixings. We're just giving you Jesus and letting you know that Jesus in you is the one that will guide you. And that's how we want to continue to encourage and empower. And so a lot of times people just want fixings. Well, if you're listening at home, man, the only fixings that we got is Jesus. He will satisfy all the time. And so thank you for your willingness to live in the fact that all we're going to give you is Jesus. And that we're encouraging you to do the same thing in your home and at work and in the community. All right? So cool. You guys are warriors. You're freaking, uh, freaking warriors. Um, you remember growing up, any at all, that when if you're out on the playground and someone would call you a name and, well, you just didn't like that name. <laughs> You know, you, you would say, yeah, and so is your mama, you know, or I'm rubber, you're glue, everything you say to me bounces off me and sticks to you. Remember those days? You know, and or the one that where uh, uh, it would be sticks and stones may break me, but the words, you, you know, they... What is that saying? Sticks and stones? See, there you go. That's a lie. It's the biggest lie ever. Tracy Lawrence got it figured out in that song. I think I was singing. That just came up subconsciously. He's like, sticks and stones may break me, but the words you said just tore my heart in two. And that's the truth, right? But a lot of times, if you're anything like me, you try to pretend that they don't hurt, that they don't wound us, that they don't cause any pain whatsoever. 
and we just try to buck it up and, and move on through it. And so I'm here tonight and to say, man, let's just hook up with the guys that I believe were wounded deeply and started to learn how to heal in those wounds with one another. All right? So I want to go back to the resurrection. That's not a bad place to hang out all the time. And so we're going to go back there. And so the last time that we were chatting, we were looking at the triumphant entry. The tomb is now empty. And Mary is going back to the tomb. And she sees that it's empty. It's in John 20. This is the particular one that we're going to take a look at. And it's in John 20. And Mary goes. <laughs> and I love the visual that some of the other Gospels give it. One of the other Gospels gives the fact that the angel came down and rolled the stone away. And was sitting on it. Now, how cool an image would that be? I don't think angels smoke. But if he is so chilled out, he's like, he's so freaking chilled out that he's on the stone and he's like, our guy won. <laughs> You're looking for our guy, I got one. You know, you know, maybe, I don't know, angels smoke cigars, I don't know. <laughs> But he's chilled, our guy won, and Mary's going back and telling everyone else. And when she goes back and tells everyone else, John, who's writing this particular instance that we're looking at, since he's writing the letter, it kind of sounds like it's a foot race between him and the other guys. And so since you're writing the letter, you get to say that she kind of won the, the deal. So <laughs> a lot of scholars think that when you read John and if you read the words, the one Jesus loved, that they're referring to John. Now, gang, think about that. In your writing, do you write that about yourself? The one Jesus loved. And how cool it was for John to write that about himself. One Jesus loved beat Peter to the tomb and stuck his head in first. <laughs> and so he's in there, and they see it exactly as Mary said. Now, when Mary and them came and told them first, they didn't believe him. They went, no way. And so they run and they see that it is the way that she said. And there's got to be all sorts of crazy going on within them, gang. And so they run back. They run back to the room. They run to where Jesus told them to go. And they're waiting. Now, put yourself there emotionally with this group. You have traveled three years with a man and have seen everything that Jesus has done. You've heard all of the teachings that Jesus has taught you. You've had these incredible conversations with him wherever you saw and heard what he said was going to come about. You were with him when they came into this amazing chorus of people just praising you. And then to see the same group of people, to see some of the same faces in the group saying, crucify him. And they're after you. And so for the, for the disciples and the people that were living life with Jesus, it just wasn't turning out like they thought it was going to. Was it? Did it? I mean, one of the guys, he was so overwhelmed with with grief and emotion of just whatever that was roaring through him, Judas, he threw the coins back into the guys that he took the coins from. 
What was roaring through him to do that? And so for these guys, doesn't it make sense that in the course of the time that they were living life with Jesus, that they were bewildered? They were confused? They were angry? They were hurt? And in the moment when Jesus was crucified, and they're really still at game, they didn't know what we know. They were living it. They weren't 100% sure the tomb was going to be empty. And when we see here in just a second, they were in behind locked doors. So do you think that they ever felt alone? Did it leave them searching? Would it be safe to say that they were wounded? I think it's not a far stretch to say that they were wounded and how that life was going on for them. In those moments. Now, how many of us have had life just not happen in the way that we thought that it was going to happen? All hands, please. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We all get to continue to bonus round. Now, the first scene that we're going to see in, in John 20 are the boys are back. All right? Now, Think of the conversations that have happened between the guys from Sunday morning and the tomb is empty and you've just discovered that it's empty. Think about the conversations that are going on with them. Where is he? Is this legit? Do you think the Roman soldiers maybe did hide him? Is he really resurrected? You see the self-reasoning the, the doubtful conversations that were going on, trying to connect dots and how they were living life and what was to come. So let's take a look here. We're going to see that they were behind uh, closed doors, locked doors. So this is John 20, verse 19. That Sunday evening, gang, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Ju- uh, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. I would have uh, probably uh, done something in my cloak. (laughs) I'd be like, what the what? You're sitting there and you're having conversation. Maybe by this time you're starting to eat a meal. Then all of a sudden Jesus is in the room because you've got locked doors. You didn't hear a door open up. You didn't hear any of the locks come unlocked. You didn't see any of the guys get up to unlock the door. Jesus is just there and he said, hey, peace be with you. Time out, Lord. <laughs> i got to go clean myself up. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. My gosh, my gosh. Let's call time out just for a second and unpack this, can we? That is a load. Jesus is in the room with them. He says, peace be with you. Then he receives the Holy Spirit upon, he blows the Holy Spirit upon them. Now, gang, when Jesus is saying, peace be with you, I'm thinking he's saying, hey, look, calm down. It's me. It's the Lord. It's me. I've resurrected. 
Everything I told you, I said I was going to do, I am doing. Peace be with you, brother. I know your heart is racing like crazy right now. Peace be with you. And he's calming them down. And then he blows the Holy Spirit upon them. And he's looking at them. And what would their body language be screaming? Because see, in the other Gospels, it says in Luke and in Mark, especially in Luke, he goes on and he says, they, they thought it was total nonsense when Mary came back and told them that the tomb was empty. And so in Luke, when Jesus shows up, he's saying, why are your hearts filled with doubt? Then it goes on to say that they were standing there filled with, listen to these two things, disbelief and joy. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? And gang, I don't, this is when you get to see what your picture of Jesus is like because if you're saying that in a tone of sarcasm or meanness, then you've got the wrong image of Jesus. I think he's just asking to center you back to him. What are you basing your doubt on? Are you basing your doubt on me? Or are you basing your doubt on how you thought it would be? Because, see, I will not forsake you. I will not abandon you. I will not lead you astray. So the doubt can't be centered on me. I'm doing everything I told you I was going to do. And so now I'm helping you in your unbelief come to belief. Peace be with you. And so he goes on, and man, the guys are just having this, this incredibly questioning. Now, real quick, who is famous for doubting? Poor old Thomas. Poor old Thomas. Everybody just throws him under the bus. I'm going to get him out from underneath the bus. Because the other boys doubted too. We just saw that. It's in Luke. Jesus even asked, why are your hearts filled with it? But the thing about Thomas is that no one ever asked, where was he? See, he wasn't in that room because, see, when the boys, when Thomas came back and you go on to read, the boys said, Thomas, you aren't going to believe this, brother. You aren't going to believe this, dude. And he goes, you're right, I don't. <laughs> he confirmed that. He said, you're right, I don't believe that. And we're going, Thomas, come on, dude, it's us. What do you mean you don't believe? He goes, not unless I put my hands in his wings. Now I go back, where was he? Was Thomas in his woundedness? Was Thomas in his pain? When Thomas in his bewilderment, Thomas in his feeling maybe alone, maybe Thomas in his searching, he just needed some time. Maybe he was back at the tomb. I don't know. Maybe he was like the old boys that we read in Emmaus that were on that road and they just said, deuces, we're out. And Jesus comes alongside and says, hey, where are you guys going? And these were disciples of Jesus as well. They weren't in the inner 12 or in the inner 11, but they had walked with Jesus and they start telling, they said, we really thought that this was the Messiah. And Jesus opens their eyes at the end of the walk. And so where was Thomas? I don't know. Maybe he was just out contemplating, trying to gather himself on what in the heck is going on. But when he returns and the boys tell him, said, 
dude, you're not going to believe it. Thomas stood firm in it, and he said, you're right, I don't, and I won't. Now, how many folks do we come across that are like that? Right? It's okay, gang. Here's a cat that lived with them for three years. Don't skip this by. How tight would these guys have been living that much life with one another than one of the people that you've lived life with for three plus years? And he says, I don't believe you. And so in that moment, Thomas is just not trusting the source of who's delivering the message. He's confused. And so in that game, it's okay to allow others to be confused until Jesus opens their eyes and their heart. Theirs had already been opened. Theirs had already been wide awake. But remember before they weren't. Jesus asked them, why are you full of disbelief? Why are you full of doubt? And he opens them up. The disciples shared their joy with him. And Thomas said, not till I see him. Let's go down to that night. This is John 20, verse 26. This is eight days later. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. I bet. <laughs> he said, man, there's stuff happening when you guys, I'm not leaving you. And so maybe it was time for them to gather back again. I'm not sure what the reasoning is, but I love the fact that they're gathering. They're like you. They're coming together. And they're coming together with people that understand each other's hearts. And so Thomas, even his moment of unbelief, goes to people that do believe. He knows it's a safe group of people for him to be where he's at. And so he goes back and he says, Eight days later, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as, Je as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you. Gang, quick time out here. A little side note. If anyone ever says to you, because you're a believer in Jesus, and you shouldn't have fear, you point to this verse and tell them to get out of your face in the very loving way that you know how to. That's the biggest bunch of baloney I've ever heard. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but we've been given the spirit of Jesus to drive out fear. Here's boys that live with Jesus. They just received the Holy Spirit. We just read that, right? And they were behind locked doors because they were afraid. So they're relying upon the peace be with them to get them through the fear. I love having fun with some of those folks that say don't have any fear. Say, all right, cool. I got a place to put you. Uh, we're going to go to St. Louis, and I'm going to put you on top of that arch. And I ain't going to give you anything to hold you down. Now, don't you be afraid. You believe Jesus, right? <laughs> See how crazy that is? So the thing is, is that if there was no need for us to ever have, have the ability to lean in on Jesus to drive out the fear, he is the perfect love that drives out all fear. And so they recognize that. Then listen to what he says, verse 27. Jesus is in the room. Then he said to Thomas, can you imagine? Now, gang, it's eight days later. They've been living life with one another. They're all together. 
And Jesus comes into the room like He did before. I believe the boys, when He came in that time, the boys were like, Whoa! But Thomas's heart was just freaking beating to death. And I believe he was like these emojicons or whatever you call those things that are wide-eyed. I believe his eyebrows were on top of his head. He's like, what the what? He's now going, Peter, John, I know what you were talking about a while ago when you had to clean yourself up. I'm a mess. And he looks at him and he says, Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Don't be unbelieving any longer. And gang, I just, I love that image. Look what Thomas did. When he came back, I don't think it's a far stretch to fathom that Thomas, before the eight days here, probably had maybe a conversation that looked like what we've had. He's trying to find out why everyone is saying that and he doesn't believe. He's going, dude, what happened that night? Was it, was it, did, it, did it really happen? Did Jesus really come in like you said he did? And I believe in John and his response, man, he would have said, Thomas, yes, man. He goes, look, dude, you know how we do the doors? He said, man, those doors were barricaded. They were locked. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes in. And he breathes the Holy Spirit on us. Brother, I've never felt so alive. I've never been so afraid and still feel so alive. It was him. I want you to believe, but I can't make you believe, Thomas. And what I love about this image here, when Jesus walks in the room, Thomas, put your hands here. And I have read that and read that and read that and read that. By His stripes we are healed. By His stripes we are healed. And what's that mean, Duvo? I love the image that when Thomas put his hand in the wound of Jesus, Jesus beforehand stretched him out and himself out and said, I'm taking on all the wounds and the pain of the world. Bring it on. And he took it in. And so he's got one right there and he's saying, me too. Go ahead. Me too. Come on, Thomas. Me too. Start healing right here, son. I love you. Me too. And he took it all. And so that's how you decided to live life. You see, Thomas's healing came in the wound of Jesus. And Jesus was willing to bear his wound his, and say, Thomas, come and get your healing, son. And so Thomas did what we've encouraged everyone to do. As you see that he started getting his healing when he came back into community with others. He started living life back with the brothers that he had lived life with before. And so what we as a family here have done and continue to do is that we have been on purpose in living life with folks and showing them our wounds. 
We've been willing to, like the disciples, to share that when we've been bewildered, when we've been confused, when we've been angry, when we felt lonely, when we've been confused, when we've been searching, and we show our wound and say, Me too. Because we're secure in the healing that we are finding as we place ourselves in the wound of Christ. There is life in the wound. I love this saying. This will be closing. Two things as we as we as we close is that a lot of times I've always heard this: there's life before Jesus and life after Jesus. That's that's not the case. There's life before Jesus, then there's life with Jesus. There's no after. It's always with. It's always with. It's always with. By His stripes we are healed. By His stripes we are healed. And the last thing I want to share with you. Gang, if we live life, and as you're living life with folks, if you're living life with someone that is trying to block out pain, wound, or hurt, if they're afraid of it, all of us are. No one wants to experience that, right? But if we go to great lengths to try to escape that, you've just choked off uh, joy. I'm going to say it again. When you put the walls up to try to keep out pain and wounds, you've choked off joy. Remember, the disciples were sitting there in both disbelief and joy. Allow yourself to have your arms wide open like Christ and your heart showing it all the time. I'm not saying don't guard it. I'm saying keep it available. And keep it wide open for those to see your me too's. And let the people around you wounds start healing through yours. And vice versa. we got a lot of folks walking around that are wounded that no one knows. You're living life with them. Because they will not share it. You just hang in there until their eyes and their heart are opened up to the point to where they want to share. Then you can put the me too on them. Okay? Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. I thank you for a community of people that understand and know what it looks and feels like to have peace with us. Lord, thank you for joy. Thank you for um, all the crazy different emotions that you run through us at all times. Thank you that we're willing to admit those and and Father, just walk through them as you would have us to walk through them. So Father, I pray as we close that we that everyone in this room have a community of people that they love and that they trust. I know everyone in this room understands that. But that we would just invite one more. Father, that we would continue to invite one more into the grace and mercy of who you are. To see how we are healed by your wounds and how your stripes have healed us. Lord, we love you, and we, we thank you for the empty tomb, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.